Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christo. Please be seated. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in the epistle today, it states that God the Father knew us from beyond time. He knew us forever. And in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I know the Father, and the Father knows me. And he says, I know you. And more than that, he says, he prays for us before the Father. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. One of the great mysteries of our faith is the life-giving trinity. And uh, I don't understand why we say it's such a mystery. Because, you know, we can never know the intimacy of God in the trinity. Because you'd have to be one of the trinity to know that. And that's not possible. But he's done a lot to reveal himself to us. And in today's readings, he tells us that he knew us from forever. That's a wonderful thing. You know, some of our young people these days we just experienced that in a family very near to me of the loss of a child that took his own life. <clears throat> I don't think he understood. It's my poor judgment. From all eternity, God intended him to be. One of the terrible things about our civilization in America is uh, we tell our children, well, you can be anything you want to be in America. That is not true. We have social differences, racial differences, religious differences, uh, intelligence differences, I remember when I was going to go to graduate school, I had to go take the PMI, it was called, or such, to figure out if I was hard, uh, you know, if I was smart enough to go to graduate school. And uh, I didn't know if I was smart enough or not. But I went and took the test, and I did pretty well in most areas, not in all areas. There are questions on that test that I had no idea about. But I sat there and I asked, answered all the questions that I could deal with, and I came out with a pretty good mark, and of course I got into graduate school. 
I think God wanted me to do that. Because he knew all the education I would have to go through in order to be your priest. And we don't want priests for dummies, dummies for priests. We want priests that are informed and prayerful. So when you deal with your children, don't tell them they can be anything they want to be. Tell them that God has given them a vocation, a destiny, and he's planned that from all eternity. And in a prayerful way, they should make their decisions in life in conformity with the will of God. I know, in my own experience, many, many, many really smart people, I mean, way over the average intelligence test, which is about 200, way over it. And they had terrible lives. So, and they got a lot of education. My generation, this was a long time ago, everybody believed that education was the key to success. And uh, I was certainly taught that. So um, I did several things to find out about it. First of all, I went to a junior college. figured if I could do well, I did damn well. Excuse me, Lord. And then I went to Michigan State University. I did very good, very well. So then I decided prayerfully I'd like to be a priest if God wants that. And the priesthood, especially the seminary I went to, was like the West Point of seminaries. Very demanding. I thought graduate school was a charm compared to the seminary. But somehow, I was ordained to God's holy priest. I prayed hard, and I worked hard. That's supposed to be the formula for success. I think what's lacking sometimes is asking God what he wants you to do. Very important. He does want you to get to heaven. He does want you to be holy. And hopefully you will choose a life that is a holy life. The young man that comes to the monastery and even the old ones, we need a few old ones, you know. And we're tickled to death with the young ones. They're told by vocational directors, well, discern your vocation. No, 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 no. God will discern your vocation. 
he should say like that song they say, here I am, Lord. Do something with me. Make me that beautiful person you want to be. We want me to be. Because I cannot do it on my own. Especially in the monastery. Life is a revelation almost daily. People stop me sometimes. They say, what do you do in the monastery? They ask me to say what we make or how we work or what. I said, our main job is prayer. But that's not just true of uh, monks. That's everybody's main job. To give glory to God through prayer. That means that every time you give him a certain kind of attention, and in the scripture it says to pray always. So I remember in... uh, seminary, they told us that if you say the morning offering and your evening prayers, your whole prayer, your whole day is dedicated to God. It's not what scripture says. Our prayer, our dedication is in the heart. That our heart in the heart of Christ and union with his mother, beat together. Fortunately, the most happy people I've ever met in my life were religious people. I mean, priests and people like that. And I always respected them very highly and they always treated me very well, especially in confession. And I used to watch them carefully, how they walked, how they talked, how they celebrated their liturgy, how they taught their people. They were not ordinary. They were not extraordinary but they were living the God life. Don't ever let anybody tell you you're not extraordinary. You are extraordinary because the God's life is in you ever since you were baptized. So now, I think a lot about uh, people talk to me. <laughs> it's interesting about dying. I don't know if they're going to knock me off or what, but I figure I'll stay around a little bit longer, whatever God wants. But I think about my family. Every Sunday I come to the temple here, I offer a candle for our Lord. I see the only begotten son is the prayer. And then I tell him about my extended family. And I pray for them, living and dead. So when you do that, it reminds you of your own vulnerability and the beautiful people you've known.
your mom and your dad, aunts and uncles, people who have taught you, get you through, through your degrees, seminary professors. It's so easy to just, uh, you know, uh, go on with your life and forget about the past. It's not really what you should do. Yes, forget about your past sins. They're forgiven. But not the people who formed you and made you beautiful. So I thought the other day I was uh, praying in my big chair there. I was thinking about where their mortal remains are. So, in Yonkers, New York, we have a plot. And in that plot is my aunt I never knew. She died as a little girl. And my bobbins, uh, my grandmother, grandfather, my uncle Michael. And I don't know who else because I've lost track and I don't have the deed. But I've gone there and prayed a few times when I was in New York. I think about their lives they lived. They worked hard. Most of them were very good about church. And they all sort of prayed. But like a swift wind in the night, they were gone. And of course, we had a Catholic funeral. And there they lay, not saying a word. And then we took them to the cemetery, what their mortal remains, and put them in the ground. My mom and dad, my mother, she had a lot to say, you know. And I grew up and became a priest. She used to tell me I never did anything wrong. I said, that's my said, mom. How come you spanked me? I never touched you. I said, boy, you got a short memory. But the spanking wasn't so bad. It was the explanation of why you needed the spanking. That took a half an hour. It'd be better just to whack you and let you go. That's just that's a little bit. Actually, when I was around, they were very good to me. And I was always sort of a topic of their conversation. They had a lot of love for me. They showed it in different ways. Not only by correcting me. They didn't have trouble with me getting to church or anything like that. I liked church. And uh, it was beautiful. And I can understand the people in the Western Church, they've changed their right. I don't think I would like that. I couldn't stand that because I think about how many generations of Stanachars and such have been in the Byzantine Church for a thousand years, all the way back in Europe. So when I went to Europe, 
I went to the churchyard where the family, the Stanachar family is buried. I don't know where the Daniels are. And uh, <clears throat> I asked my grandfather before I'd gone there, I said, how many years? They said, he said, they've been there 800 years. All that blood, sweat, and tears, all that hard work, all that prayer, all that knowing that God took care of you. As we grow through life, we will do different things. Sometimes we're proud of what we do and sometimes we're not so proud of what we've done. But through all that, God has cherished you. Does God have any possessions? Yes, you. Why did he allow you to appear on the earth out of love? All creation is a sign of love. That's the point today in the gospel and the epistle. Jesus came as a personification of love. The Father sent him. He sent him because we were a disappointed people due to our fall, the original fall in the garden. He did not want us to think that was the end of it all. He sent the greatest gift he had, his son. I guess nothing is so bad to a mother or father for losing their child. So I remember taking care of people and they lost a member of their family. Their grief was horrendous. So the only other person who grieved over us that much or will grieve over us is Jesus Christ. They spent a lot of time talking about Christ on the cross, his salvific, and the shedding of his blood. And all those things are true, and we do have the Eucharist, which is really unbelievably beautiful, unbelievably gracious of God. But we also should think about, as some people do, like Jesus Christ is the Father's first child in the flesh, and he sent them to take care his own children, you and I, who are made of flesh and have to enter the doorway of death, the new life. And he wanted to know, although we have died, although we're victims of original sin, we still have a great future because from all eternity, he thought of us. I don't know how God can uh, judge all these things, but I have great confidence in him. And I cannot love him enough 
because I wouldn't know how to do that. He has to give me that love so I can love him enough. But I love everything he's given me, my parents, my family, my friends, the beauty of being a priest, the beauty of the church, the prayer of the church, all these wonderful gifts God's given me. Why shouldn't I be happy? Why should I fear death? I don't know. I haven't been a particularly talented sinner either. So what are you going to do? So I can't say to the guy, well, I've been a great sinner, so it would be a great boon for me if you'll forgive me, you know. But I've sinned too, just like everybody else does. But not very talented in it, though. That's so thank God for that. My main thought today in this scripture readings is that from all eternity, God has known you. Then who knows me better than God? And why would he pay that much attention? Because he is God? And why would he pay attention particularly to you? Because he wants you to be one with him in eternity. We have a magnificent God. We are never alone, and yes, we do suffer. Suffering is part of the deal. But that suffering brings us to the glory. The glory, we say glory in prayer, glory to God. Glory is the internal life of the Trinity. They say glory to God in the highest. We praise his internal life. And we thank him and love him and rejoice in him because, because of his son's gifts through his incarnation, his passion, death, and resurrection, his loving will, which is one with the loving will of the Father, not the same will, but each has their own will, and he has a human will, Jesus. Jesus' human will, where his heart resides, where our will resides. So we pray, the love of Christ, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, reside in our heart, that our heart might be one with the love of Christ and the Father who sent him, who has loved us from all eternity. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.